0: I've titled this message, Life with God. And I want to invite you to ponder on these three words as you step into this new year. Life with God. Life with God. Scripture identifies two types of life. The first is bios, which is the physical created life. The fact that we can breathe that we can wake up in the morning, and that we can live each day. And the second type of life is Zoe, which is the spiritual life that we find in God. The Zoe life that Jesus offers us is a life immersed in his divine love and power, no matter what is happening in the physical realm. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life and life in abundance. And he's talking about the Zoe life. And in John 1 John 5, verse 11 to 12, we read the following. God has given us eternal life. And this life, this Zoe life, is in his Son. He who has the Son has Zoe life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Can you see that it is entirely possible for a person to be physically alive, but spiritually dead? There are people who have everything that money can buy, but they haven't tasted the spiritual Zoe life that God longs for them to find in his son. I've also found that many Christians, myself included, can at times get so caught up with busyness and the cares of the world that we lose our sensitivity to the Zoe spiritual life that is found in the Father's love. So let's draw, let's draw to the Lord today and say afresh to him, yes, to his Zoe life." Here Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life in abundance. And the only appropriate response is, yes, Lord, Yes. Life with God. So we've spoken about life, and it's the spiritual life. It's the Zoe life. Let's look at the next two words. And the next two words are best spoken together. With God. With God. Throughout Scripture, we see God whispering down through the centuries, I am with you, I am with you, I am with you. One of my favorite Scriptures in the Bible is Isaiah 41 verse 10 where he says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I am with you. The truth of the matter is that our heavenly Father longs to be with us. The creator of the heavens and the earth, he desires fellowship with us. He wants to commune with us. He wants us to do life with him. It's too wonderful for words, this with God life. We read about God walking with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He sought communion with them. He talked to them in the cool of the day. And even after the fall, we see God was with people, talking to them, helping them, guiding them. He was with Noah. He was with Abraham. He was with Isaac and Jacob. He was with Moses. In Exodus 33 verse 11, the Bible tells us that God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Can you imagine those times that Moses had with the Lord? God spoke to him face to face as to a friend. And then in the Father's perfect time, Jesus came to earth fulfilling the words of the prophet Isaiah, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. Think about this for a moment. Jesus came to earth to fully restore the with God life, and he did this in two ways. Firstly, he did this by dying on the cross for our sins and washing us and forgiving us by his blood. And secondly, he did this by restoring us into relationship with his Father, because when we put our faith in Jesus, we get the right to be called children of God. We've got access to the Father. We can spend time in his presence each and every day. In John 14, verse six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father Except through me. His goal was to restore us into relationship with our Heavenly Father. God the Father is our treasure, He is our life. The Zoe spiritual life is found in relationship with Him. John 17, verse 3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I want to repeat that. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You know, Paul was so passionate about us knowing God that he wrote a letter to the church in Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter one, verse 17, he prays for them that they would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can get to know God better. Perhaps you have walked a long journey with the Lord. You've known him for many, many years. In 2022, God wants you to get to know him even better. So I'm going to read Luke 15, verse 11 to 32. You might want to turn there in your Bibles. And this is a parable that is very well known. So my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will give you revelation into the heart of the Father. And that there'll be something fresh that you receive from this message today. And that you will get to know God better. The storyteller is Jesus So Luke 15, I'm reading from verse 11 to 32, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, He was lost and is found. So I have three points to share with you in line with this parable. And the first point is come home. And this point is an invitation to hope. Come home. An invitation to hope. You see, the prodigal son had got to a place of very little hope. The only glimmer of hope that he had was when he thought about his father's house. He had squandered his inheritance. He was hungry and alone in a foreign country. But he comes to his senses, and he realizes that even the servants in his father's house have food to spare. There is hope in his father's house. So he finds his way home with a very carefully prepared speech of repentance. But when he arrives... He gets far more than he expected. While still far off, his father sees him and he runs to him and he embraces him and he kisses him and he calls his servants to bring a robe and sandals, to put a ring on his finger and to welcome him home. And then he asks that the fattened calf be killed so that they can celebrate and eat together. The prodigal didn't even have time to finish his speech if you can relate to this story today in some way, there is an invitation to hope waiting for you. Stop preparing your speech. Just come home. I don't know if you realize it, but the Father longs for you. His love will cover you, no matter where you have been or what you have done. He longs to embrace you and to whisper into your ear, My son, my daughter. Welcome home. Friends, we have a brand new year lying before us. And the key to experiencing life with God each day, each moment, is to live as a son or a daughter in our Father's love. This is the Zoe life, lived in the Father's love. You see, the younger son fell into a trap of looking for life elsewhere. He shunned what he already had been given, sonship. What he needed, he already had. And he pursued independence and worldly pleasure. So how do we guard against falling into this very same trap? Well, sometimes we need to take stock of what we are focusing on what we are living for, where we are spending our time and our energy. If you have set yourself some New Year's resolutions, can I encourage you to do a quick audit of them right now? I'm going to give you two questions that you can just test your resolutions with. And these are two questions worth asking. The first one is, is resting in the Father's love on your list? is resting in the Father's love on your lists for 2022. And the second question is, will your resolutions draw you closer to the Father or draw you away? Resting in the Father's love protects us from discontentment. It protects us from the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life that we read about in 1 John. I once ministered to a man who had fallen into quite a serious cycle of addiction. And in his addiction, he had sinned greatly against the Lord. And he was struggling with guilt and shame and a real sense of defeat, no hope. The light had gone from his eyes. There was no spark. And I looked at him, there was just, there was no life, There was no light in his eyes. But fortunately, he, like the prodigal, returned to the Father. And the Father welcomed him home. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, he came to church. He knew that this is where he can find life, in the Father's Father's love, in the Father's embrace. And the light is back in his eyes. Friends, the Bible tells us that Father God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. We sang about it in one of the songs today. Slow to anger, rich in love. He's gracious, he's compassionate. And perhaps there's some people here that just need to be reminded of that. Maybe your paradigm of God is not that he's loving and gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, but this is his nature. And Jesus emphasizes the Father's extravagant love and grace when he tells us this parable. The Father is delighted to have his lost son back home He refuses any suggestion of him becoming a servant. His son is his son is his son. The prodigal may have doubted his identity, but the father never did. Do you need to come home? The Zoe life, the spiritual life, is found in the father's love. So my first point was come home and it is an invitation to hope. The second point is come in, and it is an invitation to healing. Come in. Now, the older brother is often looked at as the villain in the story. He is portrayed as angry, as resentful, and hard hearted. And because of this villain identity, Not many of us are quick to acknowledge that we can relate to him at times. We would almost rather confess that we've sinned and come home like the prodigal than to confess that our hearts are hard or angry or bitter. Or perhaps, uh, like the oldest son, we've fallen into a performance orientation and our efforts for the Lord are to gain his approval, approval that we've already been given. Now, I've mentioned to you that the Zoe life is found in the father's love. And uh, when our identity is as a son, as a daughter of God, that's when we experience the Zoe life. And this is where I feel sorry for this older brother because somehow he missed this. Somehow he missed this identity that he had. He was in his father's house, but he hadn't caught his father's heart. He was working for the father, but he viewed himself as a slave. Listen to his language. This is what he says to his father. All these years I've been slaving for you, but you haven't given me anything. I once heard a quote that said, if the devil can't make you bad, he makes you busy. Have any of you heard that one before? If the devil can't make you bad, he makes you busy. But in the context of this parable, I would like to add to that quote and say, so, if the devil can make you busy, he can also make you bitter. For the older brother displays both busyness and bitterness because after telling his father, about how he's been slaving for him, he then proceeds to confess all his younger brother's faults and everything that his younger brother has done which hasn't been right. I wish it wasn't so, but the older brother trap is a very easy one to fall into. It happens when we experience hardships despite endeavoring to live for the Lord. When we go through tough times, and yet we're walking with God, and then we look up, and we see someone who's got no regard for God at all, and they seem to be prospering, and a seed of bitterness forms in our heart, or we serve God faithfully year after year after year in many ways. And someone really is wayward, and they come back to the Lord and they're blessed with a new robe and a ring on their finger and a party. And we're like, oh. And something happens in our heart. A hardness forms, but a resentment lodges there. Resentment and bitterness can creep in quickly. You know, even King David fell into this trap. Listen to Psalm 73, verse 2. So here's King David, and he says the following. But as for me my feet had almost slipped i had nearly lost my foothold for i envied the arrogant and i saw as i saw the prosperity of the wicked but as for me my feet had almost slipped i had nearly lost my foothold for i envied the arrogant when i saw the prosperity of the wicked in verse 21 to 22 david confesses He says, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Fortunately, in verse 23 and 24 of the same psalm, Psalm 73, David breaks out of the older brother trap, and he does this by remembering what really matters. He says the following, yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me to glory. It's a beautiful picture, this, of life with God. Verse 23 and 24 of Psalm 73. Yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards, you will take me into glory. The key to the with God life is found in the next two verses of Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you, says David, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You see, in that moment, David realized that God was his portion. God was his life and that absolutely nothing on earth could compare with the treasure of knowing and loving him. The older brother lost sight of the fact that his father was the treasure. And because of this, he was filled with anger and resentment when his wayward brother came home and the fattened calf was killed for him. Now I mentioned that point two is titled, Come In, and that it is an invitation to healing. So if your Bible is still open in Luke 15, have a look at verse 28 as well as verse 31 to 32. An invitation to healing. In verse 28 it says, The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. You may want to highlight that second part. So his father went out and pleaded with him. This is an invitation to healing. And then in verse 31 to 32, we read, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. If you are struggling with resentment and bitterness and can relate to the older brother in some way, Here are two things that you can do to receive healing. Firstly, don't resist the Father's plea because Father God will come and find you. He will come and invite you in. He loves you too much to leave you where you are. Proverbs 3 verse 12 says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Now, sometimes when you read the story, it kind of can feel a bit strange that the older brother gets corrected and the wayward brother just gets embraced. <laughs> it almost feels wrong at times. But you see the younger brother, the prodigal, had come back with a repentant heart, and when people are repentant, they need comfort not correction. But when people have got a hard heart, they need correction in order to be comforted. And so we can just see the father with great love towards his younger son embracing him, welcoming him home, acknowledging this repentant heart and saying, come come home. But we also see the father who loves his oldest son so much and he goes out and he invites him in. He invites him to a place of healing and he says, come we have to celebrate. So, firstly, I mentioned that if you're seeking healing for resentment and bitterness, don't resist the Father's plea. But secondly, uh, let the Father remind you of your identity as a son or daughter. So, if you're struggling with that, it's really helpful to say, Father, will you you tell me again who I am? (laughs) Will you remind me again who I belong to? Will you remind me of my identity as your son or as your daughter? Because when he begins to speak, all of that other, it sort of seeps out of us. Healing comes. I believe that there are many people who live with an older brother identity instead of an eldest son identity. It's very different, the older brother versus the eldest son. They focus on the sibling relationship relationship and compare themselves with others rather than focusing on their unique father-son, father-daughter relationship. Because when we are at peace in our identity as a son, as a daughter of our heavenly father, then it is easy to rejoice in someone else being a son or daughter of our heavenly father too. And when he restores or blesses them, we can come in and celebrate too. Life with God. First point was come home. It's an invitation to hope. Hope is found in the Father's house. Secondly, come in. An invitation to healing. And we see the Father inviting his eldest son to come in and not to stay out in the field, to come in and enjoy his presence. My final point is come eat. And this is an invitation to humility. We've just read about two sons An older brother, an older son, and we read about a prodigal son. But when we want to look at sonship and really get an example, a good example to follow, we have to look at the narrator of the story, who is Jesus. And uh, he gives us the best example of what sonship is about. Because wherever we read in the Word, we see how Jesus loved to spend time with his Father. He loved to be in his Father's presence. And everything he did came out of that space. He was led by the Father. Didn't do anything without the Father's guidance. He reflected the Father in every way. Now, Jesus ends the parable of the prodigal son on a bit of a cliffhanger. We don't know what happened. We are eagerly waiting for you know, season two, episode one of the prodigal son's story so that we can see what actually took place afterwards. But something that we do know is that both sons had been reminded of their identity as sons of the Father. And both sons had been invited to come in and to celebrate a meal together, to eat together. If we desire to live a life with God, the Zoe life, the spiritual life, it involves eating with Him and with others that He has invited to His table God's extravagant grace can humble us at times when we see who else he has invited. And sometimes we can sit around and go, I don't know how that person God saved. <laughs> I don't know. But the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the invitation to come and eat is an invitation to humility because we realize that each one of us was in a place where we were away from the table, The Lord. So let's just keep humility in mind and let's look around at who was at the table at the Last Supper. Just some of the people. Firstly, there is Matthew, who used to be a tax collector. So he was really despised. He was an ex tax collector and he was at the table. Simon the Zealot was at the table. A zealot is a freedom fighter. So here is someone who was, um, he liked to fight for things and he was an ex-freedom fighter and he was at the table. James and John were there and they are affectionately known as the the sons of thunder. The sons of thunder. And uh, at one point, they wanted to call fire down from heaven upon a village because the village didn't receive the Lord. Fortunately, Jesus was there to stop them from doing that. Uh, But they were at the table. Uh, And not to mention Peter himself. He was at the table. And shortly afterwards, we know that he would deny knowing the Lord. Yet we see Jesus. He's our example of a life of humility. The kingdom life, the Zoe life, which is a humble life. And here he is reclining at the table, enjoying the presence of, of the disciples that the Father had given him. He loved them. They were his followers. He knew them and he enjoyed spending time. He enjoyed having this meal. He says, I've been eager to share this meal with you, Jesus says to them. When we are humble like Jesus, it protects us from focusing on other people's faults and criticizing them and coming across with a bit of pride. Humility helps us to extend grace and mercy to others. And humility helps us to embrace people who are different from us. I just look around in this auditorium, there are people here from all different backgrounds and cultures, there are people who are older, people who are younger, and God knows each one of our stories. And some of us have had a story that has been quite a dramatic story of salvation. God rescued us out of a place of great darkness, great brokenness. Others might have a story that isn't quite as dramatic. Perhaps we were raised in a Christian family and actually life has been a little bit more protected for us. But the Lord invites us to come in and invites us to come and eat. And the spiritual Zoe life is lived in community, we eat with others are different from us. Today is a communion service. We're going to share a meal with God and with each other. It's a sacred meal. The bread reminds us of the body of the Lord that was broken for us and the cup reminds us of his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Christ endured the agony of the cross so that we can enjoy a life with God, That we can, throughout 2022, every single day, experience life with the Father. We can rest in His love. The Zoe spiritual abundant life takes place in His presence. Now, I'd like to share one more scripture before we break bread. And it's about life with God. And it's found in Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. And it's specifically powerful in the message version. This is what it says. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. So as we break bread today, for those of you who can relate to the prodigal son, the wayward brother, uh, perhaps this is a moment where you can say, Lord, I see hope in your house, and I want to come home. And you can just come, and as you come with that type of heart, I guarantee you that the Father is going to embrace you. He's going to welcome you home. Doesn't matter what you've done. He's going to cover you with his love. He's going to forgive you, and he's going to restore your identity as a son, as a daughter. So come home if you can relate to the prodigal. If you can relate to the older brother, and perhaps you've struggled with some bitterness or some anger in your heart, with some hardness of heart, uh, I want to encourage you to, as we have communion, take this opportunity to come in. Accept the Father's invitation to come in. He doesn't want you to be outside. He wants you to experience his love, not just work for him. All right, so he wants you to come in. And uh, if uh, you are here and Uh, you would like to experience God's invitation to humility. And you just want to, as the Bible says, he has shown you, O man, what is good, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. And in your heart of hearts, you're eager to walk this year just with a deep humility with the Lord. Then you're welcome to come and eat with him and with the other members of his family. Let's take the bread. Father God, we just thank you for sending your son Jesus to earth, that he could be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, thank you um, that you experienced what it is like to live here on earth. And Lord, you experience what it was like to have your body broken for us. We remember your body broken for us. Take it in remembrance of him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that because of your blood, we can come home and we can come in and we can come and eat. We thank you that because of your blood, we can experience life with God. Zoe, abundant spiritual life. We don't want to live life in the flesh. We don't just want to live the bios life, the natural life. No, Lord God, our joy comes in the spiritual life and we thank you for making a way. Lord, as we take the cup today, we allow ourselves to remember Uh, that your blood was given so that we can be forgiven. The blood of the Lord shed for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that even though you're so great and you rule and reign over the heavens and the earth, we thank you that you are interested in us. You're interested in the details of our lives, and that you are a father and that you care. We thank you that you said we can ask and we will receive. Thank you that you love to give us good gifts. Thank you that you love to be with us. Lord God, we want to step into this new year knowing that you are holding us by our hand and that you will guide us by your counsel. We allow faith to rise up in our hearts, Lord, because we know that with you, we don't have to be afraid. And we know that with you, we can be confident. And we know that with you, we are sons and daughters of the most high God. Now, Lord, I pray that you will bless your people. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.